Today's episode is brought to you by Nin. Nin is a cutting-edge synthetic nicotine pouch brand that's setting the new standard for nicotine pouches in the U.S. with its lineup of zero tobacco nicotine pouches backed by a management team with a proven track record of success in the nicotine and tobacco industry. Nin aims to revolutionize the nicotine category for businesses and consumers by offering an industry-leading product that's backed by innovative technology, high-impact branding, and category expertise. They are maintaining a new era of nicotine products that take people's lives to the next level beyond the tobacco leaf. The inevitable conclusion is the complete removal of all harmful components of tobacco plants by redefining the customer experience. At NIM, their mission is to help spearhead the evolution away from tobacco and towards smarter nicotine alternatives. NIM comes in a few great flavors like cinnamon, wintergreen, spearmint, coolmint, and citrus chill. All flavors are available in three or six milligram strengths, large 34 millimeter pouches, 20 pouches per can, 5 cans per sleeve, 18 sleeves per case, so 90 cans total. They are the new era of nicotine, the evolution of nicotine. They are nicotine innovated. Think about it, life beyond the leaf, pure nicotine satisfaction. With Nin, you can live life beyond the leaf. There are better ways to enjoy nicotine without tobacco. Zero tobacco. Pure nicotine satisfaction. The real tobacco-free nicotine pouches are with Nin. So go to ninpouches.com. That is N-I-I-N pouches.com. Remember, Nin, live life beyond the leaf. When you're watching sports, do you ever think to yourself, these commentators are lame and I could do better? Well, with ColorCast, you can. ColorCast is a new social sports broadcasting app that puts the power of the mic in the hands of the fans. With ColorCast, comedians, podcasters, former athletes, and armchair experts can call live sports games and interact with their listeners. This is your chance to hear or share unfiltered raw sports content all in real time. All you need is an iPhone or iPad. No fancy equipment is required. So please check out ColorCast in the App Store by clicking on our link in the bio. That is ColorCast. You can be the next great sports broadcaster. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Podcast.
Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I am your host, JP uh, John Pause. With me today is a very special guest. He's a former WCW Cruiserweight Champion, WCW Television Champion. He is the superior one, the mighty DI, Disco Inferno, Glenn Gilberti. Glenn, welcome to two-man power I, trip. Anyway. I, 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 I got to call you out real quick here. Yes, yes. Why do you Why do you raise, why, why do you uh, have like a higher level voice <laughs> when you're doing this as opposed to like when you're talking regular? Uh, Conan said it too. You gotta, you gotta do the he voice. He caught it's it. Like, he caught it too. It's like, yeah, because you, you, you're like this. Blah, blah, blah. No, he said it about himself. No, he said it about himself. Yeah, that when yeah, you do the intro, yeah, like yeah, a Mad Dog like, Russo, you gotta, okay. you, know, you gotta. L- l- let me be honest with you though. Yes, your regular voice sounds a lot more masculine than your than your uh, uh, your your voice that you're trying to put on here to like you know to do the thing. So the I fake radio I'll, intro. The fake radio intro. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. So just 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 you could talk regular. So all right. Um, <laughs> I will. That's just that's true. There you see, see how you made the bass became <laughs> like the bass just came back in your voice when I told you to do that. So, <laughs> that's funny. Russo uh, hates it too, by the way. He which does. Is another, which well, is another Russo, reason. I Russo, like when I do his show, he he maybe because he thinks I talk too much, but he spikes his volume up like way higher than everybody else on the sh- on the show. Have you noticed that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's the way he tries to silence me. So. I noticed when I'm listening to, I got up in my car, I got to put it a little louder when right. I'm listening to you. And then when I listen to him, I try to turn a little bit down because right. he gets a little too, too. Exactly. That's by design. When you and Russo like first met, was that WCW, I guess would be the yeah. first time or did you, yeah, WC, you met? WCW. And we had like, you know, I was just one of the talents backstage that like was working with them previously, but uh, we kind of like hit it off when we sat next to each other on a plane on a, on a like two hour plane ride one time. And just pick each other's brains and stuff and everything and all that. That's that's when we kind of like bonded, like the New York kind of thing. You guys, uh... oh, just the philosophy, wrestling philosophy. Same same thing. We were just you know we had the same basic philosophy. So, and uh, we just kind of hit it off like that. You know. Did you think he'd work well in WCW? We hoped, but like right from the get go, you could see that it was. Um, this is kind of it was, it was kind of a very strange dynamic, right? Because the guys on top were kind of not really paying attention to what was going on, right? Because the the WWE <clears throat> when they took when they you know there was a period of time when both of us were doing great business, right? Yep. And there was a uh, you know the, during that whole remember when the last dance was on. The Robin stuff. Yep. And you go back and you look at that, like, and you know, I'd forgotten because we were so hot. I'd forgotten that Rodman skipped practice during the NBA Finals to come to come to Nitro, right? And we were so hot then, right? But they were at like coming into the home. It was like like a like a horse race, you know, like you come come around the stretch, you go into the turn. They were closing fast because they had. They were doing some really good TV at the time with uh with uh what you call it um uh Mankind Austin and Taker and Kane. They yep. were doing a whole they were doing really good TV. It was the first blood match with Kane. Um you, you know, like where it's just they, they were just doing really good TV, right? The hell in the and cell. It, yep. Yeah, and I at the shows, right? The hell in the cell but Mick and stuff right now are just a lot of crazy stuff. And they were they were doing some very good counter programming, but we were still hot. Right. But, you know, we were in the process of becoming stale and like at the shows, like backstage, if we were in a locker room or something, there was a TV on, you know, me and Conan, like a bunch of we were watching Raw. Well, the top guys weren't like doing that, you know, so like so we kind of like kind of could see what was, you know, the where, where this was trending. Right. And the top guys were always they, they were, you know, most of those guys are not. 
fans of the business like like the mid card guys were. Like you know, they're, they're not watching, they're not tape trading, they're not watching the shows. They're, they're just making, they're getting paid mag, mega money and trying to keep their spots right. <clears throat> so we kind of saw the type of TV that, that Vince was writing there. So when we had heard that he was coming in. You know, to like it was like, oh, well, this is the guy that's been writing all that great TV. He, you know, he's coming in like the, the, the mint card guys were ecstatic. You know, hey, hey, here comes Vincent and yeah, wow. We were like, you know, the, now the mint card guys are going to start getting pushed and everything. Well, the top guys were just like, they were complete outsiders to them. So it was kind of that was kind of like the dynamic. They were very, um, they didn't have their typical guys in the booking positions that would help them keep their spots and stuff. And they had completely new guys coming in that had no agenda with them. No, no favoritism, no nothing. Right. right. So they were kind of like, you know, naturally speaking that they were kind of apprehensive about, about Vincent Ed coming in when the rest of the crew was like, Oh, cool. This is good for us. You know, that, that was, that was the attitude. I don't care what anybody says in retrospect, everything, but I'm, I'm telling you right now, cause I'm very, I was very involved in that because I was one of the guys that was, you know, watching Raw, like we come with and just this new could could see what was going on. You know, we could see the trends. Even me and my buddies as fans, we tried to watch as much WWE. Obviously, we'd watch both, but all of a sudden we started going to all like the WWF shows again. Yeah. Like we we had been going, but we were like obsessed with going and and, and being at SummerSlam '98 and like they were on a roll there t- towards yeah. the end, middle '98, and then all towards the end yeah. you guys are on like kind of a little bit of a tailspin a little bit right tailspin is a key word just big tailspin because it's this you know you you can't it, it, you know we're, you know we were, we're like you know per, per, perfect in ca- analogy for wcw we were andrew dice clay you know we were super hot when the poems and stuff and everything came out or yep. another, but then you go a year it's like jesus guys been saying telling the same poems for for a year you know, it's like so. It's kind of like you know that that's 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 the way we that that's what, what our business would happen. It just got flat. The top guys kept wanting to work with each other, they, and because like we were doing two and three hour shows over the course of time, you know, people get sick of watching these guys work each other. You know, these they want to see the integration of the younger town, and they just did, they just wouldn't do it. So Vince came in and said, "Hey, this is what we need to do." So of course he got blowback from from the top guys because they don't they don't want to work with the. You know, these guys are making $1.5 million a year. You don't want to work with a guy making 300000 to try to elevate the guy making 300000 Because the guy making 300000 gets elevated and d- 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 he beats me. You know, that guy's contract's coming up. is worth $750,000. My contract's coming up. is like, I'm, I might not get signed or I'm going to get a pay cut. Because we're paying these other young guys. like more. We, we need to pay these young guys more money because they're, they're all getting over. And if it's just a basic simplistic math formula if you look at it. And that's... And, and it's not – you can't knock the top guys for doing business like that if this is a business and you're concerned about your money. You know, it's just they want to keep their spots. They want to keep their money. We wanted a piece of the pie. We didn't, we didn't think that the disparity in talent between the top guys and us was millions of dollars of worth. You know what I'm saying? It's like because yep. we were getting pretty good so – a lot of us were getting really good pops out there. You know, good heat and stuff. The good, good reactions. Just as, just as good as some of the top guys. Some nights we're going like, you know, why is this guy making two million dollars more than me? You know, and that's and that's just that's that that's every. You know, we we could call it the wrestling bubble, but I'm sure every business and job is like that. The competition for advancement and stuff and everything, and just you know, and the people that not wanted to give up their spots. So that that right. was the dynamic. Randomly, just a. Uh throw this out there. Andrew Dice Clay was playing an ice rink down the street from me last week. I don't know. I I was like, what? An ice rink? I was like, that's not a a comedy venue. But I read the thing. I was like, oh my God, Andrew Dice Clay. I was like, that is, I don't know, my the mighty have fallen there for Andrew Dice Clay. Right. Sullivan. Yeah, he didn't really, I mean, he's just kind of, it's still funny how he's kind of hung around. Yeah. (laughs) Like all these years, crazy, right? Yep. Sullivan mentioned to me that a lot of times they would get like pushback like okay why is hogan wrestling this guy he's this million dollar wrestler why is he wrestling you know jared jared's only making 450 like they is that true like they'd get kind of blowback sometimes from like up top as well people saying like why is this guy working with this guy no clue i I have no idea what the top guys were doing or what they were thinking or what they were what their motivations were and stuff you know i we just didn't know we didn't know like 
office and stuff, everything. And all, all we knew was Brad Siegel, and he would come and talk to us every once in a while and just lie, lie, lie through his teeth, you know, to us, like in meetings and stuff, everything. And, you know, that, that was all we really knew of the guy, you know. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't, I'm, I'm sure that's what was happening. That's why they went out of business. They were, they were looking at the books, they were looking at the numbers. It's like, well, it's not, this isn't worth anymore. But these, the, the executives never liked wrestling anyway. Right. You know, it's like, if, if that, like, there's no way, if you would have known 20 years later, you could be doing a 0.3 rating and still, still making money. Like they would have never gotten rid of it, you know? Yep. But no, nobody could look forward to that. Look, look, a far, look that far ahead. Did you know that Brad Siegel's college roommate, Stu Snyder, was a part of WWE for like a small time period when WWE bought WCW? You ever think about like, that's kind of like a odd coincidence? It wasn't an odd coincidence. We, we thought, bro, the, the, the fact that it got sold for pennies on the dollar just had to be somebody on the other side making the, the money under, under the table on this. Mr. Dick, it got, it got woefully undersold. You know what? What it sell for two? What was the price? The, the, the final four million, was, I think. The final was four million. That, 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 think about that. Four Hogan million. He could have bought it like five times over if he no, knew you that, could, that you was could, the price. Like not even that. It's like for four million. Like like think about that kind of money these these days. Like the, the, some, an internet poker player could buy the company. You know, for like the, yeah. I mean, like just as expensive. Like that, that that's like nothing. You know, and like now, like you see these these, like the UF perfect example. In your lifetime, um, and you're a wrestling fan, right? What impact yep. has the, the programming of WCW had on your life over a period of, you know, the, the back then, everything? How, how important was it to you? How, you know, it was, it was massive numbers on ratings. And like, how important has the UFC been to people, right? Right. You know, UFC's huge. WCW is huge. WCW sold for $4 million. UFC sold for $4 billion. You know, so just, you just look at those numbers. You're like, well, what what happened here? You know, so I, I, it's just it's just all shady shit that nobody, nobody you know, that, that we'll never know about. We don't know about the phone calls, the private conversations, the emails, everything, because there's never like there's, there's just never a trial brought up or it was investigated. It's like we, we don't know what happened. We don't know why it was sold so much. But obviously, I would be willing to bet money that if there's and probably text messages, emails, something. There's a history of some corrupt goings on that took place during that process, and I would bet my life savings on that. You know, that guy Jamie Kellner. If you really analyze it, maybe the worst executive of all time. He got sixty-five million dollar offer from Bischoff and, and Fusion Media, but decided to take a four million dollar offer. If that was anybody else in any sort of business, he would have been fired ten times over. You know what I mean? There was he would have never got another job. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, that they, it's 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 crazy. I mean, there's no you could you could invent like you, I I don't know if you can even sue or anything or whatever. But like if you just investigated that, it just wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. And Brad Siegel won't do any on the uh, record interviews either. I think he's afraid of getting some of those. Even twenty years later, I think he does just does well, want to answer those shit. questions. He's full of shit. You know, guy's full of shit. That's why he won't do. Any, I mean, obviously, he won't do any. You know, he's either not interested or he's full of shit. You know, and I, I would suggest that this day and age, if somebody asks you to interview, like there's so much history and that so much has been written, so much, you know, you'd want to go on the record and get your story straight. He didn't even want to. Yep. You know, so that that tells you all you really need to know, right? Kind of strange. I mean, it's 20 years later. You would think, who gives a shit or whatever? But for some reason, he still doesn't want to do it. I don't know about that guy, Stu Snyder. I don't think he'll talk about the controversy, but I don't know if he's hiding or, you know, refusing right. interviews or anything like that. With you and WCW, it's funny because Sullivan always mentions it too. One of the best guys in the card. Why do you think you kind of get the bad rap? Like, oh, disco. Even even from the like the trolls on, on the internet. Why do you think he get like a bad rap sometimes? Like, oh, he's just even from Cody Rhodes. Oh, he's just disco inferno. Why is that? When, when the Booker and, and the wrestlers in the company are kind of and Jericho praises you in in the back. Um, because they never worked with me, and they don't know me personally. I come across. I'm a very heelish personality on Twitter and very antagonistic to the fans and often the, some of the wrestlers in the business, right? Yep. But when I'm talking about this stuff, it's kind of like, I'm, I'm kind of ribbon on the square. You know, I know what gets attention. Like I know what to say to get attention. 
I'll cross the line and say some things to get attention. Sometimes I mostly believe in something, but I'm, I, I like to push the envelope. You know what I'm saying? But anybody that knows me personally, I'm the, I'm the funny guy in the locker room, the life of the party, the jokester guy. I'm not like this, you know, guy that like thinks that like, you know, you know, he's Haiti, he hates on women's rights. You know, I'm not like that. Like if you know me personally and sees that I'm, everybody would tell me when you hear all these guys, I'm well liked. I mean, who, who's going to tell you? Like, how many people that know me that worked with me say, "Yeah, Disco, he was, it was a, a jackass. He was like, what a tool, what a dick." You know, is anybody going to? Who has said that? Nobody. The only the only criticism I've gotten from people that have never worked with me. Anybody that's worked with me knew that when I was in WCW, when I got put on the booking committee, okay, I went to bat for the guys that were not getting pushed. Because I said, I'm in the locker with these guys. I know this guy can do this. I know this talent. You know, Ernest Miller, give him the mic. I know he can talk. And, you know, that were, you know, I give Jericho ideas. Bro, I was constantly trying to help others to my detriment. I was never selfish about myself. I was always like trying to help other guys. And, and I was I was just a guy that would, okay, I'll, I'll do what you're told as an employee. Do, do what they say. Do go out there. You know, you're doing a job in four minutes. Just go out there. You know, whatever. That's, I, I was that type of guy. So, like, the, basically the criticism of me, it's and, and that's why I have thick skin. It's never bothered me because if you know the truth, then it doesn't, you know, the criticism should never bother you. Because you just know well, these people are just misinformed, you know. But if you're uncon- not confident about your positions, that's when the criticism bothers you. Because now people are kind of exposing you for taking a position that you know you don't believe in. And I believe in every position I take. But you know the way I the way I present it sometimes maybe a little off color and stuff and it may ruffle people's feathers. But ultimately, anybody that meets me or knows me stuff, you know, bro, all these guys that have trained with me and stuff, that they'll tell they'll, they'll they'll repeat the same thing. You know, Disco's a good great guy. He's a funny. He's like you know he's he's hel- he's helpful. He's just you know, but like the persona that the social media mob and this uh, echo chamber has of me, you know, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't bother me. I like saying, like, I'm, I'm, you know, it's, I have a very elitist attitude towards the fans, okay, because I know when I was a fan, okay, I was an educated fan because I used to watch 13 to 14 hours of wrestling every single week, you know, I I had, we we had the seven hour wrestling block on WC, on, on, it was called a, what the hell was it called? Joe Pettacino had the show on Channel 36 in Atlanta from 8 to 3 o'clock in the morning, wrestling from seven different regions of the country. I'd watch all those, tape them on the, DV, on the, on the VCR. You had uh, you had Tuesday Night Titans. You had WW, the, uh, the WWE show um, that, that was on WOR. Once a month, you'd have USA Network would have the, the show from the Garden. They would show the wrestling from the guard every every Sunday, and I had and I had uh, NWA, you know, Georgia Championship Wrestling at six o'clock on Saturday night. It's like roughly it's like thirteen hours of wrestling. I watched that for like six, seven, eight years in a row religiously, and educated myself on on that. You know, like I, I was a fan of wrestling, right? But I was still a fan. You know, I had more knowledge than most people because I'd been watching more and I try to figure out something. But until I went to train to wrestle, I was a mark. Cause I had like I'd see how they I'd, I'd see how they, they 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 would talk in the ring. I didn't know how they did and something, but until I got educated to the business, you don't realize how little the marks know about the business. And that's it's just true. I, I can't reiterate to people like like that that the, the fans that think they know as much as I do or think they know more than I do. When you have the expert level of knowledge and you gain that, you know. We call them marks because that's the word we use. Everything, but but that that is the that is the dichotomy. It's like these are just fans, and even the dirt sheet guys, they're just they're still just fans. Okay, you know they. I mean they're not. They I, I could have written a newsletter back in you know nineteen eighty seven, you know because I was watching thirteen hours of wrestling television. I I could have I, I could have been like a guy like a dirt sheet guy and everything if I, if I decided to pursue that but it's like until you become you until you get in the business your level of knowledge does not reach that point you know and it's like and I, i'm when fans try to argue with me and stuff, i just know this like i'm not going to sit there and, and you know 
try to argue with Tom Brady whether he should, you know, check down on a third down pass or throw an intercept. You know, you know, and that's what that's the equivalent of what these people try to argue with you with. It's like they think they know what's going on and they don't. You know, so it's crazy. I was talking to a. a current WB guy, NXT guy, and he said it all fair. He didn't want to say it on there, but he said this was the best era of wrestling for wrestling, for the wrestlers. I was like, that's debatable, but he's a current guy. So not I even, could, so I, let, me tell, let me tell you why that's not even close. It's ridiculous, okay? But he's current, this, so I could see why he's in his head thinking that, though. Okay. Of course they are, because he's the younger, you know, they, they want to promote the, you know, and you've got the dirt sheet guys, which is, this is the, the biggest, you know, uh, journalistic malpractice that's going today is these, these, these dirt sheet guys promoting that this is, there's never been a better time to be a wrestling fan. And I'm like, wait right. a second. <laughs> as a wrestling fan today, okay. As a wrestling fan back during the best time of professional wrestling, when I was in it, the, the mid to late nineties, if wrestling was coming to town, you could go see it and the place would be sold out and the crowd would be booing the heels and cheer, booing the heels and cheering the baby faces and, and, and having emotional responses to the matches. And they'd be very loud. Yes. Today, you cannot get that. You cannot experience the crowds, the emotion, the suffering of the of wrestling from twenty years ago today, unless you're sitting on your laptop watching it on a computer. And to try to sit there and say that that there's never been a time, better time for a wrestling fan that instead of going to a live show and experiencing the adrenaline, the emotion, and the noise, you have to watch it on your computer. It's like the most idiotic argument that you could you could possibly make. It's like just imagine that, like say, like if if you, if you sit there and like told people like there's this has never been a time to be a be, never been a time to be a better time to be a football fan because there's so many fantasy football leagues you can play in, you know. <laughs> it's like you know, it's like yeah, yeah. But wait, wait a second. What if I want to go watch? You know, what if I want to watch this, this, the Steelers versus the Cowboys? You know the and and you know the fans are fighting in the crowd and stuff. And then there's there's a raw emotion. Something. Bro, it's just it's just ridiculous. And plus two is like if if you watch wrestling today, and I I was thinking about this in the car today when I was just driving around, right? <clears throat> I was watching, like, this is just it was just a movie clip. It was just a YouTube clip and everything, and it was showing it was just from the from uh, uh what what movies is from? Um, what's the William Wallace movie? Braveheart. And it was showing. A, the, a fight scene in the fields, right? And just, you know, people fighting for their lives, you know, trying to chop and stuff in the other, just like they're, they're trying to kill each other and the other. And like, that's like kind of like an historical reference when we look at fighting, people fighting for like street fighting, and everything, you, you look and see what's going on. It's like if you have wrestlers today try to choreograph the fight scenes from like movies like that and street fights and everything, do you know how ridiculous it would look? Yeah. These people will be doing flips, cartwheels, dives, stuff like 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 literally like the integration of gymnastics and acrobatics uh, into combat fighting, right? And it's like you're you're looking at this and like going like what what happened to this product? You know, it's like these guys have street fights today, and, and like they'll, they'll book a street fight. And I think it's funny. Because like I say, like you know, the 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 book of street fight on TV, <laughs> and I'll say like that's hysterical because I I know when I watch this street fight, these guys can't even throw a, a, a punch with their fists; they have to throw legal forearms in a street fight where all rules are thrown out the window. You can just go brawl, <laughs> and, so, and these guys are still like doing these these forearm shots. I'm like, bro, it's like the wrestlers today don't have the basic skills or have mastered the basic skills of to make it look like a fight. Which is the whole premise of what wrestling and competition and making these matches are for? Two guys rising to a level to fight each other in a ring. But now it's like the the the, the thing is is like <clears throat> like new guys are coming into an organization. You get these guys. All everybody can think about is like, oh my god, think about all these great matches so they can rate them with the, with the stars like critics. And I'm like, really? That's that's not. If this is the best time to be a wrestling fan, there's no way you're going to sell that to other people to be fans. We're like, we're going to watch two people simulate a fight, not even fight for real, and we're going to grade their performance. And that's that's what, what that's what the, the process should look like to us. And I'm like, well, what do you know? And so that's <laughs> like, well, and then you see the numbers. You can't yep. get a lot of people engaged into, into, into watching the product based, based on that type of like, if, if, we're, if that's how we're going to watch it, we're going to critique the work, which is all these guys do, the dirt sheet guys do, the fans guys do. That's all they do these days. 
to the point that like we can't even look at like presentation of characters and stuff everything and like like wow this guy puts my suspension disbelief in the right place with this promos or this guy's what a good interview what a good backstage segment so you know it's like there's there's the the tools that wrestlers hadn't had in their box years ago to get over it's like a lot of these guys don't even have any of the tools and like we're talking about how talented they are and to, you know, the, the the level i'm like guys if you can't throw a punch if you can't sell it's like you're not that talented you know, because like guys could that that all they could do is that Jerry Lawler made an unbelievable career basically just punching and kicking. Yeah. But he did it so good and so realistically and believable believably, you know, his skills were you know that far above everybody else. You know, and now he was over. So it was like, I don't know. It's just it's just funny just watching that narrative delivered. There's never a better time to be a wrestling fan. And you're talking about like, well, during the time that I want to compare you to, there's a million things you can't do that we could have done back then, you know, other than watch the product on your, on your laptop. And I'm like, right. really, that's, that's the, the this is a bit, is, is that what you think a fan is sitting in his underwear on, on, on his bed with a laptop watching, you know, Tanahashi versus Okada, you know, for, <laughs> I mean, like, as opposed to like, you know, uh, you know, watching The Rock and Austin in the middle of the ring, you know, cutting promos on each other, and The Rock stuns him, and then or, or Austin stuns him, and then takes beer and drinks the beer. So, you know, come on, it's like you know, you're kidding me. The, the pops were way bigger back then, which is why that was the, the time was better to be a wrestling fan is when the pops were way bigger. You know. Yep, he said that the current day fans are terrible. That's like the worst where it's been, which is why he didn't want to like well, talk about it on air. Just, you're, Saying you're drawing, the fans you're, are terrible, but yeah, you're you're you're, you're using social media. To promote your product now because it's just generating all these income streams and like they're making way more money like the WWE smart you know but yeah. when you engage in that environment you're it's like you're you, well you know perfect example right remember the movie the aliens oh, where yeah. they or there was either the first first one or second one, i forget which one this was but you they walk into this like cave and they walk in the cave and you see all like these pods and they're walking around and the next thing you know is like the aliens are starting to come out of the walls. You know, like they're coming out of the pods. Like, and like, so that's what it's like with the trolls. It's like, <laughs> if you venture into that, here they come. It's like they, and they can't help it. Trolls, Twitter, social media trolls cannot help what they do. They're psychopathic. They just want to shit on things and bury things and antagonize them. That's what they do. You know? And it's like, I don't know. It's like, and it's funny too, because you can play the role of a troll and like, you know, just, and, and just intentionally like antagonize people. And like when you're a public figure, like I am, it's like, it's, it's so simplistic. It's so easy to do. Cause you have like the sea of people that love to do stuff like that. Troll people. And stuff. It's, so it's like, it's, it's easy to like stay relevant, you know, yep. in, in, in this climate. But, but yeah, the fans are atrocious today. They, you know, the, the cheers, the clap, because they don't believe that they don't, they never believe what's going on is real. Not okay, fine, there, there was a percentage of people that that thought it was real, and that would kind of like interject with the rest of the people that decide, okay, we're going to pretend it's real, right? They can't even pretend it's real right now. That's the problem with the suspension disbelief. You can't pretend it's real because there's no emotional response. You're not hating one guy. You're not really liking one guy. You're just liking the performances of the of the of the performers, which is the way you're watching it. It's kind of just it's just a weird. It's just a weird way to watch for me, you know. I just can't. I just can't get into it. You know that this is awesome chance of fight forever. And you deserve. I, I'm not. Those are corny things that I would have heard as a, as, a, as a fan. And but plus two, this is funny. I, I was thinking about this the other day. It's hysterical watching like a lot of the work on TV, and guys are like missing spots, screwing up spots, botching finishes, everything. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then like you look at you look at the. The, the rating of the match, three and three quarter stars, four and a quarter stars. So, bro, if we back in the day, if you went out there, you killed it. But if you screwed up one spot in a match, you came back through the curtain and you that was all you thought about. You were pissed that you screwed up a spot. And it's like you didn't care there was over. You didn't care. It's like these days it's like it's like an apology culture. It's like, oh, it didn't matter. Like, you know, we're all the who cares? You know, the, the crowd was over and like you, you rate the matches, give them high grades or anything. But a lot of these guys like you, you you watch them work and it's like they, they look green. I mean they look amateurish and, and you look at the you watch a match just like they screwed this and screw that. And then you see it's like Meltzer gave that four and a half stars. It's like how is yeah, that how? possible? It's like you're not you're not subtracting stars for any 
transgression in the match? Or you're just like saying, oh, I watch it and they're, I like them. They're my friends and I'm going to give them a good grade. You, you know, it's like it's ridiculous. And it's always what it's done, what it's done is they've overvalued the performers. They've made they've made this thing like okay, this, this is the best. There's never been a better crop of talent in wrestling today. That's like these guys can't even throw a punch. It's like they don't. These guys don't even look like they know how to fight for real, like in a fist fight. Like they look like the fans look like that. Like we could beat these guys up. It's like the aura of the professional wrestler is gone, you know. But but the aura of the performer. You know, they found a niche audience of fans that, that 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 are attracted to that stuff, you know? So that's that's my philosophy on it. So Yeah, a lot of those guys I can't buy into. I know Cole and Gargano may be okay or whatever in the ring. And Meltzer are giving them five stars, but I I just can't buy into them. They're too small, can't throw real punches. They're just not believable. Uh, I like Cole's work. Cole can throw punches. Um Gargano, but the thing is with these guys, bro, I've seen them. You haven't watched a lot. I've watched a lot of NXT. These guys can throw punches. They just don't. And I'm like, what are you, what on earth are you guys doing? This looks stupid. You're throwing these forearms and stuff in the end. You're not even selling. Bro, throw punches. A good-looking punch with the guy selling it good looks far more realistic than jacking a guy up on the side of the jaw and he doesn't even he, he doesn't even take a step back. You know what I'm saying? It's like if you want if you line up a, like this Japanese fighting spirit spot that they do where you just the guys just stand yep. there and let the other guy hit him. Bro, if you line me up in front of a guy and gave me a free shot of the guy and I form I'd knock him out. But no, there's not they they're, they're doing it, and they're not selling. It's like it looks completely stupid. You know, it's just like atrocious psychology because there's no there's never been a fight where after 10 to 15 minutes into the fight the guys stop and decide, "Hey, I'm going to let you I'm going let's trade Blows, I'll let you hit me, you, you, and you know, come on, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Cole, though, he's got to get some muscle mass. His arms are so skinny, he's can't keep elbow pads, his I, knee I, pads, look, always, he's so skinny. He'd look better if it was, if this was the, the, the R era and he could do steroids. Yep. You know, and I, I don't even know what their wellness policy is. I, mean, I, I don't, the guy's probably old enough, he should be getting a growth hormone or, or testosterone, which is, I think, some of that's legal. They, they, I, I don't know if they can do that. Bobby Lashley, obviously is doing yeah. something you know yeah. i mean but like but but legal, you know probably because they're, they're testing for the illegal stuff right i don't even bro maybe because of this this generation i i don't think these guys even try to do things to help enhance their their physiques you know i don't know if they're drinking protein shakes or taking supplements or something because a lot of them just don't you know a lot of these guys just don't look like they work out this is that they work out they just don't look like they work out hard Right. You know that's that's what the typical wrestler looks like today. They're, they're no, very few of them look like they work out hard. You know they're just yeah. like in, they're just kind of there. You know, your boy Cross is a monster, but all the other guys yeah. are pretty, pretty small. Well, there's or a no lot one... of guys. There's a lot of guys that are built that, that know the value of like looking bigger than everybody, which is still like a a thing that fans see. Yep. You know they they look at you and they see the big guy versus a small guy. Well, I'm I'm picking the big guy. You know <laughs> why, why why wouldn't I right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. I don't know. It's just, it's just different, you know? You had one of the better punches up there. I always hear people say, like, you, Jarrett, Lawler, Scott Hall, The Rock, like, amongst the best punches. Where do, where do you learn to punch? Like, do you just teach yourself, or you watch, I, like, maybe Lawler or something? I learned how to punch before I ever got in the business, just from watching it. I just knew me and my friends would fight, and I just, I just knew how to throw it and pull it, and I knew, I knew how to work it. It's not that hard to do. I, I do. I teach classes, you know, in Vegas, when I do it, I... I, I just need you for, for an hour or two and I'll teach somebody how to throw a good punch. I, I went one time, there was a years and years and years ago, I did a seminar for like wrestling fans and I literally had the fans come in the ring and I taught them all how to throw a punch. And like a bunch of like to, to this day, that class of just fans that I just brought in the ring and taught how to do punches, punch, punch better than half the guys in the business today. It's a great skill to have. And it's yeah. fascinating to watch these people just do not do not use it. Most of aggravating thing to me is, is these guys that that you know you're in a brawl. It isn't part of a match, and, he's getting, and you're and you're in the back, you know, fighting in the back, and you're throwing forearms. It's like who you know? Could you imagine if you were going to fight a guy in the streets and he's going to throw forearms? You'd kill the guy. You know, <laughs> the guys the guy's not going to punch you. He's going to throw forearms at you. You'd beat the guy up because you would punch him. You know, people. So, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. So, where did that come from? Just from the Japanese that they pretty much yeah, the stole Japanese, the J- Japanese fighting spirit spot. 
wherever they just stand there in front of each other and hit each other back and forth and trade. And the, these marks, these, these wrestlers today thought that that would be a good, something good to bring over here to the States, which is asinine because, you know, Japanese fighting spirit, if you're not Japanese, what, what, what is, <laughs> if, you're, if you're an American, why are you, how, how are you using Japanese fighting spirit? If you're American, <laughs> it's like a simple question to ask somebody, you know, influenced, I guess, from, yeah. uh, from watching a lot of Japanese wrestling, I guess. Yeah, you would think, right? Yeah, definitely. So as far as like you and Russo and the creative committee, he's the one that got you on the creative team at WCW? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, he asked me. With Eric's just, blessing. Eric was still kind of involved. I think Eric okayed it too. So just flat out, it's like this guy knows what he's talking about. He should be in the committee? I want to be in the – yeah, I want to have him in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a bump, bump and pay? Uh, wasn't a bump in pay, but it was a bump. In, yeah, sort of, because I got my rooms and my cars paid for. Oh, I was having okay. a, I was like the typical independent contract. I was getting my rooms and car. Yeah, you know, I had to pay for your room and your car, but now it's getting. I was office now, so they're paying. They're they're paying for it, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. Which which is kind of a pain in the ass when you don't have to. You know, when you actually have to pay for it, it's paying the ass. Right, right, exactly. And, and getting stuff. So as we head for the finish, we head for the uh, wind down here. What do you think is like going to help the business or, or, or is, it, is it too far gone? Like what can the business do to kind of get back to where it was? I mean, when I was going to shows with, I mean, talking about eighties and nineties, Hogan, the level of importance on um, just the show that he was on was crazy. Austin, even going to house shows. I remember like it was so first of all sold out, but you just feel that in the air, something was in the air. If he was going to stun Shane McMahon or something, there was, importance there was something in the air with wrestling you went to the show you were excited to go to the show what what can they do to get back to that any more grown men or more grown men looking characters you know you're not gonna you're not gonna put you know guys like marco stunt and jungle boy and darby allen and stuff you're not gonna sell those guys to the masses you know i mean bro it's like the most fascinating thing is like is that that you know, I always bring up the variety article on that on our show. You've probably heard me talk about it repeatedly. Yes. You know, it's, yep. And the data is very clear. You know, you look at the television ratings the way they are now, you look at the television ratings the way they were, you look at the variety article, which basically said like look, well, 80% of the wrestling fans that, that have watched wrestling do not watch anymore. It's four-fifths of the audience. And you add it up to the ratings, and it's like, yeah, that makes perfect sense because that's about what the, the difference is. And like, so it's very clear data. You know, and you look at the data and it says, you know, wrestling's too cartoonish. The matches, we don't like them. As many people, 25% of the 80%, okay, say they don't watch anymore because of the, the, the they don't like the matches. So literally half the people, if you have like a, a, a subset group of 100 people, okay, and you have the people that, do, that don't, you know, 50% of them don't watch wrestling and, you know, 50% do. The 50% don't watch don't watch wrestling or whatever more that is. But, like, basically, if you look at the percentage, the amount of people that stop watching wrestling because they don't like the work are the same amount of people that watch wrestling today. So while we're trying to promote this style of wrestling and you know we're we're this is just basic math because I'm a data guy you know and like it's funny because Dave yep. Meltzer says nobody punches the numbers like him and these are the most simplistic numbers that you could like you do if you have any knowledge I'm, I'm good at math you know I've always been good at math and to me this math is not difficult but it might be to like other people like literally the same amount of people that think the that watch wrestling today that amount of people stop watching because they don't like the work and it's like dude you're talking about the work these days. Literally, it's turning off half the people. Like half the people do not like this this style. The do not like this work, and it's like so. You would think like, okay, what what are we gonna? Well, let's try to maybe integrate some of the things that these people liked, and they just don't do it. You know, they just stick with it. They they go even farther away from the stuff that people don't like instead of maybe going back into some. That's what I've always said. Like if eighty percent of the people used to watch wrestling don't. You kind of would a logical person would would think that like well maybe you guys quit doing a lot of the stuff like over the years that we used to do that you guys don't do anymore, you know? And it's like yeah. these these to me these are common sense calculations that you make, you know. But the wrestling business these you know 
Meltzer, you know, every time these guys screw up or something, he makes excuses. Every time they have a match, it's the greatest thing ever, regardless of how many mistakes they make or anything. And it's just like, and all these dirt cheat guys go fawning. You know, this it's just pathetic watching, watching the dirt cheat guys tweet during these shows, like, like, you know, like the, the, the worst of the marks, like the, the, the cultist type fans, you know, like I was watching like, like, oh, bro, bro, go on Sean Ross Sapp's Twitter. When, when, when AEW's on, it's, it's funny to, to, to watch. You're like, Oh my God, this guy's like, bro, are you a, a journalist or are you just a, uh, like a, f- a five year, like a nine year old fan? Cause that's what you sound like, you know, when, when you, when you're tweeting about this stuff. So I don't know. This is, uh, I don't know. I, don't, I think wrestling's just changed. I don't, as long as everybody thinks it's great, you know, it's never going to go back and we're going to continue every single year to bleed fans. Which is what happens from the year before. There's always less fans watching from the year before that, and I just would profess it is probably just going to continue if if they don't start embracing some of the things that used to work and used to get the, the masses. You know, it's funny these fans today are like anti Hogan or for whatever reason don't like Hogan. The guy's responsible for the two biggest booms ever in wrestling. So yeah, you know, no, we're, where's, no, where's the next Hogan care. guy? No, it's like. It, being a social justice warrior is almost you know more important to them than, than wrestling. It's like so oh he, oh he's a racist. He's you know he's this he you know we're gonna we're gonna every transgression any any wrestler in my generation had we're these this generation is gonna amplify it and try to make it sound like that we sucked. You know like like we never made you know any mistake we made is is canceling is you know I'm irrelevant if you did that you know it's just absurd. And that's you're right. It's the fans. The fans are terrible. You know like that. Yeah. And Hogan uh, just did a signing at his beach up a few weeks ago. It was like 200 tickets or something because they had to cut it off. And it was supposed to be for two hours. So it's supposed to be sh- like short. Supposedly went eight hours. So that means which each person he spends the amount of time. So, I mean, he's great with the fans. So I just hate like that kind of like anti-Hogan stuff that these SJWs put out there. It's just, well, it's anti-anything anti, anti WWE kind yep. of. You know? But who's the next Hogan? It could it be Roman or is there's nobody on the horizon? Roman's... No, 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 not Hogan. Hogan's a global icon, you know, like Hogan, who's very recognizable. Hmm. Hogan was on the, you know, Hogan was in Rocky three. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's where everybody said. So, so if I don't think if he had been in Rocky three, he would have, he would have taken him more time to become more popular. You know what I'm saying? But the fact that he was on Rocky three, the Rocky, you know, the Rocky movies were like massive, you know what I'm saying? So like, just think about that, you know? So, I mean, be like if he was like on, on Mission Impossible or something today. Like any wrestler was on a guy was on Mission Impossible and came into the business, and you know, but uh, yeah, it's it's it's, it's crazy to watch. I mean, I I understand what we're you know what what Hogan meant meant to the wrestling business, but it's like we're trying to whitewash that part of history. You know, I think honestly, you you got guys in this business, the guys like Meltzer that on and on his. Like if you looked, if you if you were like standing right now, and you were in South Dakota and looking up at Mount Rushmore, right, and you you envision what mountain, but but it's Mount Rushmore of wrestling. You know, it doesn't have George, doesn't have these guys on. You know, you you just anybody that's been a wrestling fan over the course of time would just look and see you know Hogan, Rock, Austin, and Flair. And I honestly think that like if you visualize that and put put your person like like Dave Meltzer would look at that and think. You know, Flair, Omega, Tanahashi, you know, Okada, and 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 Kush, Masawa. You know, he would right. literally that that would be what his Mount Rushmore looked like. And then you would get another bunch of other people that you, this is my Mount Rushmore wrestling. Have been wrestling fans in mass. Ninety percent of them would say, "Well, who are those guys?" You know, <laughs> it's like you know, and that's that's where the mindset differs between like. You know, the, a guy like him and his fans. Because I always, I was bringing up Meltzer because, like, I'll never forget that the best way to describe him is, you know, the people that read his newsletter voted in their year-end awards that Smack that that AEW Dark was a better show than SmackDown. Okay. So that so that's all you got to say. That's all you would have to do to try to say, well, that that's the reference point we're talking about here with, with his followers. You know, so they're clueless. You know, you know what I'm saying? They're, they're just in this echo chamber and COVID, but they're none of those people are going to have an idea to like draw more people to watch wrestling. You know, they're, they're actually going to have more ideas to turn more people off from wrestling, which has been happening for the past like 15 years, you know? So, and that's all just dead to me. That's simple, simple math. 
You know, just look at these numbers. Look, look at what they're doing. Look at the, and that, that, that's the way I, I view this. You know, I, I look at his trends and, and I've never, bro, I'm, I'm, you know, to my horror, you, you listen to me, bro, who, mm-hmm. who is more accurate in prognostications in this wrestling business than I am? That's true. Yeah. I mean, who, when we're talking about trends, future, where, where things are going to the, who, who's been more accurate? You know, like Conan, yeah. they, they, they won't admit it sometimes. <laughs> of course. Bro, the, yeah. reason they like, the reason they like to hear from me is because I make a lot of predictions and most of them come true. You know, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good with ta- I'm very good with talent evaluation. It's one thing that I, I think I'm far more ex- expert than, than m- most people in this business. It's like I don't, you know, I, I right off the bat, I'm in the FSW training there for, for like you know two weeks. I'm like, okay, this Chris Bay kid's gonna make it. You know, this Kevin C- C- Cross is gonna make it. So the, and this kid's 21 years old. And this guy's been in here for a few months and something. I just, I just can tell. You know, you just, you can just tell. Yep. And it's like these guys. I, I look at some of these other guys that people think are great and stuff, and I just, you know, it's a perfect example. Like, like everybody's fawning. Like I, I call like I see it. Or everybody's fawning over Jungle Boy, and like, oh my Jungle Boy, he's starting. I'm like, look at him, this guy, dude, bro. This guy's boring. You know, every backstage promo he's ever done has been boring. He has no personality. He has very few facial expressions. And I'm, I'm watching this. Like I train wrestlers. I would be working with this guy to try to help him get out of his shell. That's what I would do if I was if I had Jungle Boy, but he's just going out there expressionless, does his dives and stuff and everything, and plays with his hair and you know throws his hair back. <laughs> Everybody thinks this guy's like, you know, like 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 the next Steve Austin, and that's what the fans today. That's how they think. And I'm like, all right, I'm not seeing this. You know, it's <laughs> like and I could tell you why I'm not seeing this and explain to you why I'm not seeing this, and you'll probably agree to me, agree with me why I'm not seeing this. You know. That's, that's yeah. what usually happens. So Jungle Boy doesn't show any fire either. You know, like that Nothing. baby face fire, like that Ricky Morton. One of like, the guys. One of the guys on um, yeah. Who who is the Jim Valley guy that does the the thing with Alvarez? He said that he was uh, he's the closest thing to Ricky Morton in the past thirty years. Come on, or like his his generation. I'm like, what? No. I'm like, what do you watch when you watch? See, that's those are guys who've never trained to wrestle. That don't know the skills. That don't know what he's doing wrong. That don't know. What he's, they just think, oh, oh, he's small and he he's like Ricky Morton because he's small and got long hair. I'm like, okay, it's like, you know, it's a million indie guys like this. There's a million skinny indie guys with long hair. That's like the thing these days. But he doesn't do the, 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 the level thing where you're working from the bottom no, to guys, get up. He didn't do these any guys, of that. These guys don't even do comebacks anymore. Yeah. Like a wrestling match doesn't even have heat and comebacks. It's just a collection of spots done like a mathematical equation, then it's over. You know, mathematical, kick out, one, two, kick out, kick, you know, the, there's no like emotional, like, like if you, like, if, if their matches today look like they're written out on a piece of paper, and it's a very long piece of paper, uh, with no interjections for like emotion or selling or like we didn't we didn't even figure that in. It's like okay, well, we got this move, this move, this move. It's like well, should we be selling this move like way longer than this move? And it's like no, we're just doing. We got to get all these moves in before the match, before our time is up. And that's what the matches look like. Because everything, nothing means anything. Nothing hurt. That's the, everybody talks about the psychology of wrestling. Here's the psychology of wrestling today. Nothing hurts. That's the psychology. Because every match ends with the guys taking seven or eight devastating moves that can beat him. And then all of a sudden, you got to get beat by the guy's finish, which looks, which looks weaker than the seven to eight moves that, that he kicked out of before. Yep. And if you watch wrestling, that's, that, that's what I see. You know, for, from a train, from a guy that's trained people to wrestle, that's been an agent that's laid out matches. When I look at the matches, they, that's what they look like. Just a big giant math equation. You know, one, two, kick out, one, two, kick, you know, just uh, do this, do this. But, uh, no emotion, no selling, no context. You know, we're, we're, we're doing a power bomb on the apron in the middle of the match, which should maybe like, okay, if, if the apron hurts as much as it does, it's, it's supposed to, which it does. That's the funniest thing. Is is the wrestlers know how much the apron hurts? The fans don't. The announcers have to tell you, hey, well, oh, that that's a hard part of the ring. This is, right. but it's like if you're, if you're watching this as a fan, you know, it's not that devastating because you you've never really felt that part of the ring before. You know, you're just watching like stuff in the middle, but the wrestlers can feel it. I'm like, why? You know, when I see this, they're doing these spots in the apron, I'm like, why? You know, who trained you guys? We're trained not to do the stuff on the apron because that's where the stuff hurts the most. So why are you doing the stuff on the on the on the apron where it hurts the most? That's idiotic. It, it is it is idiotic because when you're trained to wrestle, the whole concept is you want to keep your opponent safe and, and you safe and not hurt each other. And you're literally 
mapping out moves that are supposed to hurt you. And I'm like, what do you want? It's like, think about that. It's like, I would yeah. never train anybody to do that. It's like, I, I'd, I'd be a failure as a trainer if I was training people to do stuff on the apron. I'd be an idiot. And these guys just do it all the time like it's nothing. And it's even some of the veteran guys, Jericho. the veteran guys do it too. Jericho did it one time. I, I, I say, though, well, why did you do that? He's like, I said, well, yo, he's playing it down. It doesn't hurt. But then, like, it was funny, too. He played it, He was playing it down because I think he knew that he's, it was dumb of him to do that. Right. Then a few months later, he was like, oh, I'm never doing that again. It's like, oh, so you were lying when you talked about it. It did hurt like shit. Of course it did because, like, you know, because it's, you know, it's, like, it's a piece of wood there. It's like, what, what are you doing? You know, it's like, come on. It is funny, the opposite. Like, back, back in the good days, the golden days. You do stuff and it, you think it's getting the guy hurt, but it's really not. Now they're really getting the guy hurt and you get no reaction from it. It's it's kind of a weird place to be in. Oh, Dusty business. Rose would have never if, if there was somebody that worked like Dusty Rose in the Indies, he'd never be on TV. Never be on TV. Because his work isn't good. He's not doing the moves, the dives, the acrobat, you know, come on. Yeah, what would but, Abdul the Butcher's role be in professional wrestling today? Right. No bumps, just be scary, yeah. No, but you're not scared. They, they, they laugh. And like it's funny, too, because like, <clears throat> when they're doing a lot of blood and gore these days on on, uh, on AEW. And I'm like, that's, yeah. you know, it's like, let's not forget, like, the past two weeks of TV, you know, two weeks ago, you had a guy jabbing a fork in a guy's forehead. And, you know, last week you had, you know, shattering glass and it's flying into the crowd onto the fans and stuff. <laughs> and you go, you just watch this. But, like, when I, when I watch them, they've done, like, bunkhouse matches, all bloody, and these guys are cutting themselves, and the camera's not even trying to hide it. You can see the guys cutting them. Like, it's, it's yeah, so ridiculous, horrible. right? Yeah, yeah. And you're watching this, and I'm watching and bro, it just reminds me of South Park-style humor, where it's gory, but it's funny gory. Like, when I'm watching these guys bleed all over, like, I'm watching Chris and this guy do it, I'm, I'm like, I'm laughing. I'm not like emotionally invested. Like, oh my god! It's like <laughs> I'm like I watch the spots and I'm laughing out loud to myself. Watch these guys bleed and do this stuff. I go, what? What on earth are they doing? You know, why, why are they doing this? And it's just funny to me. You know, it's like South Park. The, the Jim and, and Tony Khan's a South Park fan. He's he's said it before. It's like so the violence is like South Park level violence. It's it's, it's comedic violence. Is what it is. It's not to be taken seriously. There's no emotion. It's not real. It's not. It's South Park. You know, there's a great WB episode of South Park. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. That one's so funny where they have like a fake John Cena and a fake edge. Yeah. And there's like, he took our job. And they're like, oh my God, he took his job. Like, oh, just so funny. But that's probably Khan probably watched. It. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. Right. Right. So as far as you, what's, what's next? What do you got uh, on the plate? I know you got a lot of stuff going on with Russo. You've got timeout. You've got yeah. uh, Lion's Bears and Disco. At the real disc on Twitter, and at disc on Messenger, G on Snapchat and Instagram. Um, I'm working uh, SummerSlam weekend. There's a uh, there's a show, um, a vintage wrestling swap meet, swap of uh, clothing swap, like vintage wrestling clothes. I'm doing that. It's at Space LV. You can look look it up. Uh, that's Friday from twelve to five. Okay, I'm gonna be there on August twentieth. I'm gonna be there from twelve to one. Uh, at one o'clock, I'm heading over to the FSW Arena. There's a show that they're doing at FSW Arena. I think I'm doing commentary on it and everything. And, uh, and the next day, I'm doing the FSW versus GCW show oh. at noon at the FSW Arena um, in in Vegas and everything. So I got three three shows that we can all in the afternoon. I can go to work that night. So I'm not even missing missing work. It was great. Nice. Um, you can also catch me. I keep it 100 with Conan drops uh, Thursdays on Spreaker and. Uh, and um, what do you call it? MLW Radio. Also, I do Vince's show, Lions, Tigers, Bears, and Disco. It drops Friday on the Russo brand on um on, on the Realm Network. And I do Time Out. Um, what's what's the Russo brand? TWC. Uh, Patreon.com. Patreon.com. Yeah. Russo TWC. Yeah. Yeah. Time Out. We usually talk politics, culture, sports, you know, other things, but non wrestling. But sometimes we'll do deep dive into like a wrestling topic that's not really wrestling related. Um. And uh, also, the Patreon for Conan, the, the show I do with Conan, Keep 100, is Conan.me, K-O-N-N-A-N.me. Tons of extra content, tons of uh, fan interaction. We do uh, roundtable reviews of AEW and stuff everything with fans on the show, and that drops on the podcast, too. So, so check it out. All right. Awesome stuff, uh, Disco. Thank you so much for all the time today. Really appreciate it. I appreciate it, brother. 
This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.